Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. We are being transformed into Christ's likeness. One more time. We are being transformed into Christ's likeness. And the reason that's so is because Christ came and he's coming again. Amen? Amen? Amen. Uh, this is the third of our Advent services. Um, for most of you, on Sunday, they lit a pink candle. Why was it pink? Joy. That's right. First service, we were looking for the coming Messiah. The second one, we were preparing for the coming Messiah. This evening, we are rejoicing in the coming Messiah. Amen? Amen. Uh, Professor Joe Warrington, Pastor Joe, is going to help us with that, with the message this evening. So, um, let me take care of the candle thing here. So, we have the two candles lit. I'm going to light this third candle, indicating that we are looking for the coming Messiah and preparing for the coming Messiah and rejoicing in the coming Messiah because we are being transformed into Christ-likeness. I want us to start with a song that I think, you know, my hunch is that you hear this one, oh, probably every December or so. Probably not something you play in August. That'd be my guess. And I want to do it a little differently, so if you'll indulge me. I want to do, let me find it. I'll do it this way. Christian men rejoice stand and sing. We'll do the scripture readings in between. Two, three, four. Testament lesson responsively. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in the midst. You shall fear disaster no more. And on that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion, do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. 
He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He would exalt over you with loud singing as on the day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time. And I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. And I will change their shame into praise and renown all the earth. I will bring you home at that time when I gather you, for I will make you a renown and praise among all the people of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Philippians 4, let's read it together. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One more time. Book of Isaiah, chapter 12. I'd like to look at uh, verses 2 through 6 tonight. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. 
In that day, you will say, Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord. For he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy. People of Zion. I like that. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Sing for joy. Is the title of the message or, or time, short time here tonight? The air is filled with singing these days. Would you agree? More than probably any other time of the year. We sing songs that are jolly and merry. Songs that reminds us of St. Nicholas, songs intended to cheer up the world, at least for a few weeks or a month or so, to help us probably forget our troubles. Let me see the little drummer boy. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Or maybe it's the tenth day of Christmas. Oh, I almost forgot this one. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Songs, singing. And you may add your own, your favorite. But Isaiah's call to sing for joy was much more sublime than dashing through snow or dreaming of snow or who is kissing Santa. He was calling his people to celebrate, celebrate the mighty acts of God in delivering the people of Israel, first of all from Egypt and then from Babylon. But continued with their celebration for the fulfillment of the promise of salvation. We too are called to sing. We're called to sing for joy because God's unfolding plan is becoming personal for us tonight. Would you agree? It has become personal. The promise is realized in our lives. Christmas has arrived. For me, it was some 36 years ago. March 18th, 1973, on a Sunday night, somewhere around 9 o'clock, he came into my heart. And I've never stopped singing. And if I could sing like I'd like to sing, I'd sing, My Heavenly Father, 
watches over me, but I cannot sing. But there is a song. There's a song in my heart tonight. And it echoes what Isaiah had in mind when he, in prophetic language, called for Zion to sing. Call for them to shout aloud and sing it out because God, the Holy One, is in their midst. We have a reason to sing tonight, first of all, because God is our salvation. I want you to see that in verses 2 and 3 of our text tonight. God is our salvation. In fact, the first, the first begins with, Surely God is my salvation. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And then in verse 3, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. What do we understand by the wells of salvation? We shall not strain the prophet's meaning here if we take salvation almost in the fully developed New Testament sense as including negatively the deliverance from all evil. Both evil of sorrow and sin and then positively of the endowment with all good, good both of holiness and happiness which God has bestowed upon men and men can receive, drawing from the well. Then if so, God himself, God himself is the deepest truth, in the deepest truth, the well of salvation. God is the well. And we draw from him tonight. You see, the figure of the text does not point to a well so much as a spring. A spring of water. It is a source, not a reservoir. God is the well of salvation. All the springs from which salvation in any measure and in any form flow to the thirsty lips of men are in God himself. For men, Jesus is the river that flows from the infinite divine nature. He is for us the only source, the inexhaustible source, the perennial source of salvation. The Apostle Paul captures it well for us when he writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, they drank from the rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. We are called by Isaiah to drink from the wells of salvation. The well in olden days was the meeting place in those hot lands, those desert lands, where the solitary shepherds from the pastures and maidens from the black 
camel's hair tents met in the cool of the evening. And ringing laughter and cherry talk went around. So jubilant is the heart of a man whose soul is filled and, fest and fisted with God, the God of his salvation and the salvation of his God. Our hearts ought to sing tonight, sing for joy. We have reason to sing, not only because God is our salvation, as the prophet tells us here tonight, but he's also our strength. Verse 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5, gives us a glimpse of the mighty power of God. The prophet recalls, we may recall God's triumph over the Egyptians. When Moses and Miriam, his sister, led the Israelites into singing the praises of God and, and exalted his mighty strength. We find that in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 2 and following. Exalting the mighty hand of God, God the warrior God, that defeated Pharaoh, the superpower of the day, and crushed him and crushed his army. For us tonight, we move beyond Egypt and beyond Babylon to our own deliverance in Christ. And we've seen the strength of God in our lives to break the power of sin, to break the power of misery, and to break the chains that had us bound and give us our own victory. So we can sing tonight, God is our strength. We celebrate the advent of Christ into a world that desperately need him tonight. We are grateful for his mighty deeds. And individually and collectively tonight we sing for joy. I want you to know tonight that he is strong enough to handle the challenges of our lives, of our own individual personal lives. He's strong enough tonight to handle the problems and the burdens and the challenges of our families and of our calling tonight. We celebrate and we sing because God is our strength. Notice also that his mighty name and deeds are to be proclaimed to all the nations. I, I want to keep this in front of us tonight. We must ever keep that mission. Because it is only as we drink from the wells of salvation that we will have the passion and the desire to do that which God is calling us to do through his mighty strength. Notice the text in verse 4. The text says, In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, Make known among the nations what he has done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. God's mission, our mission. Exalt his name and proclaim his strength to the nations. And then in verse 5, sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let, his, let this be known to all the world. All the world. You see, Christmas is the message of God's love to the world. 
Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Yes? Jesus loves the little children of the world. Aren't you glad I didn't sing that to you? <laughs> we have risen to sing tonight, not only because he is our salvation and he is our strength, but the texts also say that he is our song. In verse 6, in verse 6, Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One in our midst. Shout aloud. His promise of salvation was fulfilled in the coming of Christ. He's in our midst. John the Evangelist, in his most sublime prologue, captures for us this theological essence of the fulfillment of this wonderful promise, God in our midst. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, full of grace and truth. He's in our midst. He's come. He's come to bring joy. Other translation puts it this way, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The Word became flesh and pitched his tent in our neighborhood. Peterson said that. He pitched his tent down by the side of my tent. It's an old Arab figure here. It's an Arab nation figure. When they were traveling, they would pitch their tent next to their fellow traveler. They were on a sojourn, they were on a journey, they were pilgrims, they were traveling together. When they stopped, they pitched their tents next to each other. Jesus came and pitched his tent next to mine, as if to say we're traveling together. We're in this journey together. But the the Old Testament picture of the tent or the dwelling, we, the, the world became flesh and, and made his dwelling among us or dwelled with us, is if I look at it through the religion of John, it takes me back to the Old Testament tabernacle. You recall in the Old Testament the word tabernacle is written descriptively in two ways. It is referred to, sometimes it is called the tabernacle of witness, and sometimes it is called the tabernacle of the congregation. But it means more than just the congregation coming together to worship God. There are two other terms that I found rather fascinating, which John may have had in mind. They are the tent of testimony and the tent of meeting. The tent of uh, testimony and the tent of meeting. 
The tent of meeting was the place appointed by God where he met with man and to which man came to meet with him. And the tent of testimony was the place where God spoke to men and men listened. And in Christ we find the fulfillment of both of these tents. In the tent of meeting where man and God came to fellowship. And in the tent of testimony where God came to speak and man listened. And in the coming of Christ that he came to tabernacle among us. God comes to meet with us to fellowship in the, most, in the deepest way possible. And also to give us the greatest revelation there is. To speak to our lives. The tent of testimony then. For John who had been brought up in that religion in the Old Testament. And to whom that symbolism almost, was always luminous. The word pitched his tent among us. That was the tabernacle for which he had been waiting towards which we had been looking for. We became at once, he became at once a tent of meeting between God and man and the tent of testimony through which God spoke to man. I can still hear John when I read the book of Revelation. On the Isle of Patmos, can you see him there? Isolated but in the presence of God on a Sunday morning. Instead of going to, Ephesian, to Ephesus First Church of the Nazarene, God just gave him a vision of First Church of the Nazarene in heaven. And he writes, Revelation 21.3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Revelation 21, 3. He's tabernacled with us. This is indeed the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? It is truly the time to sing. But the subject and the object of our singing should never or not be determined by an oversized man in a red suit or the longing for chestnuts by an open fire or the jingles of an overcrazed culture for things. We sing because we drank from the deep wells or springs of salvation. That's why we sing. We sing because God is our strength 
to accomplish his will in proclaiming his mighty name to the nations. That's why we sing. We sing most of all to celebrate his presence in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. So shout for joy and sing for joy. Shout aloud for God, the Holy One of Israel, is in our midst. Amen. You can't sing joy sitting down. You're dismissed. Amen. Amen.